I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. My guest today is Jake Ballantyne. I met Jake a few weeks ago when he was a guest speaker in a class I am taking. His message was so inspiring. Having him on my show means the world to me. He will add so much value to your life and will inspire you to live your life with passion and just take the next step because we are so much more powerful than we allow ourselves to become. I have learned so much from Jake already regarding pursuing my passion, even if it's not perfect or even ready to present to the world. He's all about just start. Learning to trust yourself and take those steps and allow yourself to be called by the mission and the purpose you are here to be on this earth. He focuses on gratitude, serving others, and helping people see their true potential. His heart is so full of giving and serving and leading his tribe to have faith in themselves and believe you are made for way more than you give yourself credit for. Over the past several years, he has inspired well over half a million people with his unique brand of motivation and positivity. He is the founder of the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network, which is an international community of over 9,000 influencers and message-driven entrepreneurs. He is an award-winning motivational speaker, author of Your Number One Goal, and a contributing author in Jack Canfield's Living the Success Principles. He helps entrepreneurs attract their ideal buyers and grow their business through building a thriving community. There is so much in this episode that we will uncover and show you even more powerful tools to help you see your magic and create a life of your dreams. So please welcome Jake Valentine to the show. Welcome, Thank you so Jake. much. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you here and so honored and so grateful for your time. This means the world to me, like I said, but just following you the last few days and meeting you a few weeks ago. I've learned so much and it's really inspired me. And to have you here to share this with my listeners, I mean, it's priceless to me. So thank you. Well, I'm so happy to do it. I I love having the opportunity to be able to share the message. Like, honestly, this is what I love doing more than anything is the opportunity to speak in front of people. You know, speaking in front of a live audience, that's a feeling that only exists there. That's a feeling that only exists there. Then I would say that the way that I have captured that feeling is doing podcasts. The way that I've been able to do that over the last six months, you know, is being on other people's podcasts because it gives me the opportunity to have that feeling of really that moment. It's the closest thing that I've had to a live audience is doing these kind of podcast interviews. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to do it. I love doing it. This is what lights me up. I love it. And, you know, meeting you and learning like what all the things that you teach and believe in about giving and serving is such a part of who I, what I believe. And that really touched my heart when I see your heart 
And when I look back at your life and how you kind of started at school and you weren't the smartest kid and you really struggled trying to get kind of figuring out like what was your purpose. Can you take us back to kind of like, I just love your story and I would love to kind of get a background so people understood what I love so much. Well, thank you very much. Now, I don't know if I wasn't the smartest kid. I just didn't do the best in school. I'll say that. There you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that actually has been a part of me saying that I'm kind of joking, but at the same time, that's been something that I actually have had to retrain myself. I have had to train myself in shifting the way that I think about myself because as a kid, I just thought I was the dumb kid. I just thought I was this dumb kid who just couldn't do anything, wasn't cut out for anything, wasn't smart enough. And it all was just because I wasn't suited for the school system. Now there's nothing, sometimes a lot of people will just vilify the school system and say, oh, it's terrible and all this. And in in truth, they're trying to focus on the majority and that's all they can do. They can't focus on the people on either end of the spectrum that are on the sides. But for me, it wasn't in my wheelhouse. It was not in my zone of genius. And I really struggled with it because I was a good kid. I was a kid who liked to participate. I, I, I felt like I was smart. I felt like I was able to do things. I was able to to be successful in other areas of my life and extracurricular activities, things like that. But when it came to school, it just was so hard for me. It was something that was so challenging. And it just had a massive impact on my view of myself, my self-esteem, what I was able to, what I thought I was capable of. And it wasn't until years later, I mean, I, my first try at college, I uh, was politely asked to leave <laughs> and at least not come back for another year. So I was put on a year, year probation. At because that time, of bad just, grades? Yeah, because of grades. Yeah, I just, I found that in high school, I got a lot of help. I got a lot of support because I was in, you know, special education department where you got a lot of extra help, you know, in the different classes that are, are designed, you know, like those who don't know, like if you're in, if you're in the special education department, but you're, I don't want to say a regular kid, but meaning it's not extreme not an extreme right. reason, you know, you're, you're just getting, you're just getting, you know, going to a resource room where you're getting help on things and getting support on tests and support studying and that kind of thing. And I found when I got to college and high school, I was able to get through because I had so much help. Mm-hmm. When I got to college, that's when I really felt like just the <laughs> net was taken out from under me. And I mm-hmm. just, everything was moving way too fast and I just couldn't catch up. And so, yeah, then To be honest, I just stopped going to class and I didn't understand that dropping out meant like filling out paperwork. I just stopped going. (laughs) And so then, you know, I just had an entire semester of F's because I just stopped going because I just didn't go. And so, yeah, then I was put on academic probation and not academic suspension is what I was put on. And so I I had a year where I, I couldn't go to school and I went, you know, forget about it. I don't even want to do this. And it mm-hmm. wasn't making me feel good. I felt just awful about myself. I said, well, I got to go do something else. And so at that time I went and I, I became a missionary with my church. And as I was doing that, I found for the first time I was good at something that wasn't sports or music. So I was good at sports and music all growing up, but something that was what everyone else was doing. I never excelled in a system until... I was involved in something that had to do with communication that had to do with meeting people that had to do with building relationships that had to do with all the things that I was always naturally good at. 
And, right. and not that I don't have any, any ill will against any of the teachers I had growing up or anything, but it's kind of shocking to me that I was punished for how poorly I did at school, but nobody seemed to notice, like, here's this 14-year-old that has this level of communication and has this ability to build relationships. And look, maybe if it was a, a written test, I did really poorly, but if it was an oral presentation, like, well, get me up in front of people. It was easy. Oh, neat. And this was the first time I had that, where I had that moment, that feeling of I was actually good at something. And I had a great leader, a great mentor there who really encouraged me and, and, and showed me that I could do more and showed me that, that I wasn't dumb, showed me that I was intelligent and showed me and, and put me in positions of leadership to say, look, you're not only are you, not dumb, but look how smart you are here. Look how well you're doing in this world. And I'll just share this real quick before I just keep ranting forever. But one of the things that he said, he asked me if I was going to go to college afterwards. And I said, no, I'm not going to go to school. I've been there, done that. I don't want to do that again. And he got into why. And I said, because I don't think I'm smart enough. I've done it before. I failed before. I'm not going to go and do it again. And he said something really interesting to me. He said, look, I, you don't need to be the best at school. You don't need to do that. And he, he said, even if you had, if you had just told me that, that you, you didn't want to do that and you had a different plan for yourself, I would have said, fine. But by the fact that you told me that you can't do it, you need mm-hmm. to do it. If you can't right. do it, you know, it, it's like what Tony Robbins says, if you can't, you must. you must. He didn't say it in that kind of way, but he said, look, if, if you feel like you can't, this is something you, you got to push through. Because he said, what, what you're going to do is if you create a habit of quitting when things get hard, you're going to set a pattern for the rest of your life that whenever, th- whenever something gets hard, you're going to quit and say it wasn't for you and move on. Mm-hmm. And so he said it might be harder for you than other people. And that's fine. It's not, your, it's not your strong suit. It might be harder for you, but you can get tutors. You can, you can go and get, I said I didn't have that help. It's just because I didn't seek that help. You know, colleges right. have that help. So I said, go get the help. Go and get the support. Go and get whatever you can so that you can get better and better and better. So I was really inspired by this. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go and do it. And I got all the help that I could. I got better and better and better at it. And that second time, if I just count that now, unfortunately, my GPA included all that previous stuff too. But oh, if I just right. counted that second time, I ended up having a 3.8 GPA, something I never thought I could have done, but I did it because I put everything that I had into it. And that set a pattern that was that to me, it told me, okay, if I set my mind to something, I can do it. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's hard. It doesn't matter anything. I I can do it. And that you talk about magic to me, that was a magical moment in my life that just completely changed my trajectory. Yeah. Like rewiring your brain in any way, right? Like it's it took you that whole time to change your limiting belief or, you know, your brain is working now like, wait, I can do this now. Now I'm going to do anything now, you know, just even teaching probably you do with your little Jake, you yes. know, when at, how is he three or four? Uh, right in between three and a half. Okay. Three and a half. But, you know, like even as a little kid, you know, teaching these kids that, you know, you training them now to like, gosh, you can be this, you can be, do or have anything. Yes. One of my favorite things is seeing him, hearing the vocabulary. I'm very careful with the things that I say around him and hearing him say the words that I say to him. 
and hearing him say things like, like I say, how are you doing? He says, I'm fantastic. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's great. I'm wonderful. Oh. And if he accomplishes something, like something simple, like he figured out how to, you know, unlock a door or figured out how to open something or put his clothes on by himself. Whenever he finishes it, whenever he does it, like anything, he goes, daddy, I did it. I did it. Uh-huh. And he's so excited about it. But I think a big part of that is, is we've really trained him to reward himself and to, to be happy and to be excited about any little accomplishment. As one of the things I do with my clients is I, I, I say, okay, we got to, let's have a jakey moment. We need to have a jakey moment where uh-huh. you can just celebrate every little thing. Like imagine how our days would be different if when we put on our clothes, mm-hmm. we said, I did it. In fact, when we successfully did anything, we said, I did it and just got excited about it. Just imagine how different our days would be. Now, of course, like, yeah, that's all simple stuff that we learned a long time ago. But we take it for granted of how many successes we have every single day. Mm-hmm. All of these successes, just because they're easy doesn't mean they're not successes And I am a big fan of positive psychology and building upon success. When I take on a new client, my first, my first conversation with them is tell me about your successes. Mm. How have you been successful? What did you learn from that success? And how can you apply that to your goals now? I'm not interested in talking about talking about how you messed up. I'm not interested in talking about what challenges you had, what things you did wrong, what your failures are. Yeah, we can get into that later. But until I understand your patterns of success and more importantly, till you are reminded of your right. path of success, I'm not interested in that stuff at all because I would rather build upon the success rather than saying, let's focus on all the challenges you've had. I want to build upon those success and have those, I did it moments. Right. And it almost makes them, because I think, I'm sure sometimes there's those people that are the negatives and they keep pulling back to what, but wait, Jake, this is what I do. This is what I did. And you're bringing them back to the positive. And a lot of people, you know, have struggled to get to that positive. And I feel like when you are trained to be positive. And people always think, oh, Ashley, you're always so positive and you always look at the bright side. But it is that. It is training yourself, right? Focus on the good. I love that. That, that just resonates through me because that is how I live my life is yes. let's all focus on the good. And what do you say to someone when they say, you're always so positive. How are you positive all the time? What, what comes Probably out focus on the, I focus on the good, right? I, yeah. I look for the silver lining. I, you know, everything's always working out for me. Everything's working for me, right? Not to me. Yeah. And then everything's always working out for me. And I always, if people come to me at the negative kind of more side of things, those are usually the two things I say or, you know, focus on the good. And I love focusing on the good. I do that with my girls, focus on the good. Yeah, but yet... And I'm the same way, but yet we have problems. Life's not perfect. No. We have challenges. And I think sometimes people look at, I've heard it from people. People will say this to me. I'm sure people said things like this to you. Sometimes when they say, oh, but you're you're so positive all the time, they're kind of saying it almost as like you're saying like, my eyes are blue. Like it's just, it's just how I am. But it's like that, that takes work. Totally. And I, I spend the time, I work on it. And it's because I believe it's the best thing I can do, not just for my happiness, but for my success. Right. And that, that's a very interesting thing. 
if you try to get someone to do something because it's going to make them happy, most of the time they won't do it, even though that should be motivation enough. Right. But if you, if you tell them, well, if you're happy, it's going to help you be more successful. It's going to help. Then they'll be more driven to do it. Maybe totally. we're a little backwards in our society, but that's okay. That's what gets people to move. And the truth is, is if we have that focus on the good philosophy, you're going to be successful because I don't think it matters what we're doing. It doesn't matter what the goal is, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's a career, whether it's a health and fitness goal, whatever it is that someone's doing, Mm -hmm. there's going to be starts and stops, starts and stops, starts and stops. There's going to be false starts over and over and over again. You're going to get to a certain point and then you're going to hit a roadblock and it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be upsetting and it's going to be discouraging. No matter what, we're going to have those challenges. Anyone who's starting a business who thinks it's just going to be easy, oh, it's just going to be easy. Everything's just going to go like you're in for a surprise because right. it's not. It's going to be challenging. We have to have this positivity, this pathological level of positivity mm-hmm. in which we can see even the biggest challenges and be able to see them as successes, be able to see what other people would call a failure and be able to pull out why that was a success. We have to be able to do that. Because if we don't, we're not going to get past it. We're Mm -hmm. not going to get past that hurdle unless we can look at something that is so challenging and see it as a positive. We're not going to get past it. And so the thing is, you look at someone who is a pessimist versus someone who is an optimist. The pessimist is right more often, meaning they are accurate more often about their abilities. When they, this has been tested many times. If you get two different people, one who says they're a pessimist, one who says there's an optimist, that pessimist is going to be more accurate about what they think they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. However, on average, the optimist accomplishes more, even though they're not as accurate on what they can do, but they accomplish more. Right. Because they've pushed cares? past that, right? They've pushed past their fear. They've pushed past that. They've looked, they just believe they have faith. Yes. And that's the thing, like people often come to coaches and come to anyone that they're trying to learn from and they want the specific how. Here's how, okay, do this, do that, do that. And those things are important, but none of it is the real reason why someone's able to succeed. The real reason someone's able to succeed is they're able to say, I'm just going to keep going until I get there. That's it. Like formula to success, just keep going until you get there. And if you hit a roadblock, figure out how to go around it, over it, under it, and, and that's it. Now, if you have specific advice, you can get there quicker, and maybe it's a little easier to get around those things. But at the end of the day, the difference between someone who succeeds and doesn't is the person who's able to say, I'm going to succeed no matter what, and I'm going to just keep going. I'm just not going to quit. If you don't quit, you can't fail. Right. Oh, I love that. And you know, you the way the giving and the serving and how you come across, what I've learned from you is you just give, you serve, and then you just keep doing it and you just keep doing it and you give more, you give more value. Will you talk on that and why you believe that's such an important quality as a coach or a person really? Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say as a person, absolutely. This is what really matters. We, you get what you give. I mean, that, that's it. You get what you give. What's that story? The, the little red hen, I think it mm-hmm. is where she's making, was it 
Cornbread, I think. Yeah, I remember that book when I was with the girls. I forget what it, but yes. She's making cornbread. Nobody wants to help her. Nobody's helping her. Nobody's helping her. And then when it comes, everybody wants the bread or whatever it was. But the point is, is if if we're in business and all we're doing is asking, 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 we're just asking for business, but we're never giving them anything. We're never giving them anything. We're never providing value. Nobody cares. Nobody's around. They don't care when you're just asking and asking and asking. I believe that being selfless when it comes to giving, in a way, it's the most selfish thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. Meaning it's the most self-serving thing that you can do is to focus on other people because other people are just focused on them. That's it. Especially when we're in business. When we're in business, it's not a charity. They're coming to you because it's going to serve them. That's why they're coming. And if we focus on serving and being able to actually provide more value than other people are providing, people will come to us. The other thing is we're in a world where there's a lot of competition. There's a very saturated market in pretty much any market someone wants to go in. So the internet has opened up this incredible opportunity for people to start a business with next to nothing very little time, very little money, very little investment, they would start a business. Well, that's great. That's wonderful that we can do that. Except there's a lot more people doing it at the same time. There's a lot right. more people doing it. And so how can you separate yourself from other people who are doing a similar thing? And it comes down to, if I have given more to that person before you have, before someone else have, if I have given more, if, you're, if one person's just marketing, that's it, just marketing, 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 but I'm providing real value and people are getting actual ahas. They're getting actual results from the content that I've given for free. And they begin to know me, like me and trust me. Mm-hmm. Now they want to take that next step. Right. My sales calls, like people say, Oh, what's your sales strategy? I just help people on a call mm-hmm. and then ask them if they want to do more. Like there's nothing beyond that. It's nothing bigger than that. Because I don't need to do the, look, I've taken pretty much every sales training you could take. And I know all the things that you're supposed to do, all the scarcity tactics, all of the, you know, all of the time scarcity tactics, all the money scarcity tactics, you'll find out what their biggest pain is. And and there's this saying in the sales world, well, you know, you, you got to make them bleed, like find their, their pain Mm -hmm. point and then just make them bleed. I hate that stuff. I think Mm -hmm. it's awful. I think it's completely unethical and I think it's doing more harm than good. And Mm -hmm. instead, I've taken a completely different approach where I say, I'm going to give so much value that they say, if I got this much value from this guy and I haven't given him any money yet, how much value am I going to get when I actually buy something? Right. And that's been my approach. It's just, I'm more focused on no like, and trust. I want them to trust me because I'm trustworthy. People say, how do I get trust? Be trustworthy you got to be trustworthy and give them actual value. And if you're actually helping them, you're providing something for them. Like a sales call to me, looks like this. I'm going to help them on that call, actually legitimately help them. I'm going to create a plan for them for moving forward. Okay, we just talked about this specific issue. I now understand your goals for the future. Here's a plan that you can implement with me or without me. And I don't care either way. And that's really important that on that call, somebody, and this is for any business, but on that, in that interaction, we have to have the attitude of, I don't care because I'm just here to serve in this moment. Right. And then all I'm going to say is just, would you like help implementing that? Would you like that? Would you like help? 
Mm-hmm. And it's incredible what happens because over the last, I, like I said, I know all those sales tactics. I dropped all of them. And I just focus on providing value, giving them a plan where they can do it without me. Mm-hmm. And then just asking them, would you like support? Would you right. like support with that? And that only comes from this philosophy of giving. The more that you give, the more that you get. And I do the same thing with social media. I do the same, like all the things that I do, it's focused on how can I give more value? And over and over and over again, the more that I give, the more that I get. Right. Well, I've been, I'm part of your speakers, authors, and coaches network on Facebook. And I've been, you know, since I met you a few weeks ago, so it's, I'm fairly new to it, uh-huh. but I see your engagement in there and it, it is all about, I mean, you must answer to every single person and it's just so amazing. I'm like, he is all about serving and giving, but it comes out like you're so, and I'm thinking, what does he do? Like, does he get up in the morning and just like, he's on this, you know, you answer all these people and you've making such a difference and People that are asking, I was watching this one, like a teenager speaker, and he asked you for your opinion. He mesmerized me by what he was a new member too, but you just your impact, you know? And I think when you see somebody like with your giving and serving attitude, it's such an example and hoping like it just feeds off of everybody. Like, let's all do that. You know, what a concept, right? Like, hello, wake up people. Let's give and serve. And see the magic. <laughs> and it's actually, it's so much more beneficial to you even as a business. Like people, I think that the biggest challenge that people have is this feeling of, I need to just give a little bit of a breadcrumb and then, then entice them and keep everything else behind the curtain. You keep everything else behind the curtain is what I need to do. And then I'll say, you know what? You just need to give more and drop some of those tactics, just give, 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 and let people come to you. Let people, you'll build relationships with people. And what they do is they go, okay, I'll try that. And they try it for like a week and something doesn't change. Something doesn't happen. They go back to the old tactics where this approach might take a little bit longer at the very beginning. But once this ball gets rolling, it's incredible how the momentum comes, how the momentum comes because I had a period of time where I was doing all the things like I was supposed to do, right? I was doing all the sales and marketing in the way that I was supposed to do it. And I just got to the point to where I just went, this isn't fun anymore. And if this is what I need to do to be successful as a Mm -hmm. business owner, then I don't want it. I don't want to do it. If this is what I need to do to be successful, then I'm I'm out. I want to go do something else because it's eating away at my soul the idea of manipulating someone into buying something from you, which is what most sales training is. How do I manipulate them into buying this? And to me, that idea was just so icky that I just said, I don't want to do it. And so my philosophy of giving more value and getting in return started out of a, all right, I'm going to try this and see what happens. I have this idea of what I think will work but I'm just going to do it. And if it doesn't work, then I don't want to go back to that. And so I'm just going to give and give and give. And the amazing thing that happened was that sales became easier. Leads became easier. Sales became easier. The business grew at a level that was so much faster, quicker, easier than what I was doing before. And most importantly, I felt good about it. I I feel good about the fact that I'll answer any question that somebody, I I might not get to it immediately, 
But if somebody asks me a question public, I'm happy to answer any question that somebody, somebody asks. I'm not holding anything back. I mean, the only thing that is holding back is just the amount of time that I can spend on it. But I'm going to give them a complete answer on here's what you do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Now, if they want hand-holding over a period of time, yeah, of course, that's going to be something that we'll be working together in a more formal basis. But someone asks a question in that group, I'm willing to answer any question that somebody has because it just comes back to me in the long run. It just comes back to me. And the other thing is I'm focusing on long-term legacy. I'm focusing on what I want in the long-term. Now, I'm 35 and it, well, I'll be 35 next month. I'll be 35 in November. Wow. And I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at where I want to be when I'm 50, not where I want to be when I'm 36. Right. And I think that's a big difference totally. because where I want to be when I'm 50 is a massively different place than I am right now. But if I'm just doing the hamster wheel of traditional sales, you just churn and burn people. Mm-hmm. You're not building legacy. You're burning bridges along the way is all you're doing. And I'm thinking about 50, not about 36. Oh. Okay, Jake, I need to go back because, you know, I was telling you before we pushed record about the teenage where I'm focusing right now because I have two teenagers, almost two teenagers, one 14 and one 11 year old. And now I have this, I call him my little magic tribe of about 12 teenagers that I text every day. They have to give magic moments and all that. But I love your story about when you were thinking you wanted to be a musician, right? And where we explain that story, how it led you to the teen group, because I didn't know that about you when I first, you didn't talk about that in Michelle's group. But when I started learning, I was like, oh my gosh, that was his focus for a few years, right? But how it came. Seven full years. Huh. But to be a speaker for teenagers and make a difference in those lives where that's where really my focus is right now. And I didn't know it until a couple months ago. But the way you got into that, I loved it. And I would love that you to share that story about your guitar and all the music thing. Yeah, totally. So I spent, you know, seven years full-time speaking to teenagers all, all over the country. You're speaking to uh, high schools, middle schools, and youth leadership conferences. Been hired to speak to teenage audiences in 43 states, probably around 250 to 300,000 teenagers in live audiences I've had the opportunity to speak to. But that all started because of following a dream. I think it's really important for people to follow a dream and realize that it might not happen. It might not unfold the way that you think it's going to, but if you just trust the next step, amazing things happen. Mm -hmm. And so I've always loved music. I still love music. I play guitar all the time, sing all, I, I love music. It's a great hobby for me now, but at a time that was my career aspirations. I started working full time as a musician. I, Two or three years, I was just just playing music as my full-time job. You know, I was actually making a living doing it. I mean, it's mm. a pittance of money that I was making, but it was more than I was making at whatever jobs I had at the time. And it was my full-time income was just playing music. I was playing gigs probably four nights a week. This is mostly in, you know, bars and clubs and, and uh, kind of dingy places where people were paying me to entertain their guests that were there. I got into music because of it being a tool, a very powerful tool to promote a positive message. That's why I got into music. I thought at the time that me playing at these places was going to be a means to an end to be able to use music as a tool to promote a positive message. That was my whole vision. I want to make a living 
using music to promote a positive message. That's the vision. This is important for the end of the story. Yes, I but love that it. right there. That was the vision using music, making a living, using music to promote a positive message. And I thought that this was going to be a means to an end playing at these places because it was going to help me build and build and make a living as I went by. But eventually I just got tired of it. I just got tired of it because I was just entertaining drunk people every night. And it didn't feel like I was making a difference as the drunk dude in the back yelled, play Freebird every night, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And it so just funny. got tiring. And I went, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. And when I mentioned school, there was a, I went to school, was doing well, but then I said, I'm going to go focus on music. I ended up going back to school to finish the degree. But I did, I go back to school to finish the degree, which was part of the story earlier, but I, I, I went back to finish. I had another couple semesters, got my degree in psychology at this point, And I was going to go and get a master's in psychology and be a counselor for teenagers. That was my goal. Huh. But I had this idea. I said, well, what if I use music combined with speaking and go to high schools and middle schools? And I had no idea that there was a business around it. No clue whatsoever. I had no idea. I started doing it just as a volunteer. And then I learned all this stuff as I started doing it. I learned that there was this business. I learned there was a business around it because someone asked, what do you charge? Someone contacted, hey, I heard you went to this school. It's great. What do you charge? I don't know. I thought I was volunteering. I had no idea. (laughs) And so I learned this whole business around it. I I hired a a coach to be able to help me to be able to do this whole thing. I I just didn't know anything about it. At that point, I decided I'm not going to go and get a master's degree. I'm going to go all in with this. I'm going to go all in with this because I love it. It fits everything I've ever wanted to do. I'm using music, I'm making a living, I'm using music to promote a positive message, and I'm working with teenagers, and it's been awesome. That took me all over the country, my full-time living for seven years, and was absolutely incredible. But the thing that's really cool is, if I look at it, I reached my vision. My vision at the beginning, like I said, making a living, using music to promote a positive message. It did not look the way that I, I thought it was going to look. Mm-hmm. But I was loyal to the vision, but flexible with the way to get there. Right. And because of that, I was able to achieve something that, you know, most people would say was not possible, but I was able to do it. And it's because I was able to be loyal to the vision. But on top of that, I was willing to take steps, even though I didn't know the end of the staircase. I was Mm -hmm. willing to do that. I didn't know what the end was, but I was willing to take steps and take action and let things unfold in front of me and have the faith to move without knowing the end. And really incredible things happened because of that. And then I I got into what I'm doing today because of that whole domino effect. Everything about it has just been about taking the next step, taking the next step. And, And I just think incredible things happen when you're willing to do that. Right. You know, they always say, don't focus on the how, know your why. And you did know your why. But why teenagers? Why would you start with teenagers and not adults? Well, I was only like 24 and I didn't think I had a lot to offer to adults. Was Uh I didn't think I did at the time. And that's kind of when I got into working with adults was when I realized, hey, Adults are just big kids. They all have the same kind of issue. That's when I got into working with adults and with all these years of working with teenagers. And, and, you know, it's incredible. You you speak to the whole audience. And then afterwards, there's teenagers that come up to you and want to talk to you, want to help you or want help from you and, and just really pour their soul out and tell you these really powerful things. And I can think of this one kid who talked to me about 
say, hey, I was really inspired by what you talked about with your grades and, and how hard that was. And I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling because I'm really passionate about football, but I don't know if I'm going to make grades. So I don't know what to do. And I said, look, like you just, you got to figure it out. Like you got to figure it out. Like keep trying, keep doing it. And he's like, I want to play college football, but I don't think that I'm smart enough to get into college. And I said, look, man, like you can do, if I could do it, you could do it. And so do what it takes, get the tutors, get the help, do whatever it takes to do that. You know, this young man is still someone who I'm connected with on social media. He went on, he was able to make the grades. He was a star football player in his high school. He ended up getting a scholarship playing football. And I, I, he's, well, I don't know exactly what's going on right now because of the COVID. I heard that college right now is doing a, it doesn't count as their one year. So I guess he's in his first senior year of football right now, but I mean, he's been playing four years of college football now. And I'm not saying it was because of me, but that conversation was like such a powerful thing. And to see like what he's done since then. But anyway, why did I get into doing it with teens? It all had to do with that story about me being that kid who felt like I couldn't read, that felt like I was dumb, that felt like I wasn't smart enough. And I, I wanted to be able to help kids see that they could do things that they thought that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where it started for me was that's how I wanted to empower people and say, you can do things. You're better than you think you are. And you can do so much more than you think. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, with me doing that now and trying to teach these kids that they are so powerful. You know, you are, you can, you can do anything, but they limit themselves so much. But a lot of it is from their parents and their limiting beliefs that they've had, you know, through their childhood. And to really make note of that and have them like look at it, you know, at this age now, instead of waiting till they're in their twenties or thirties and then really have to (laughs) get a microscope out and, you know, really look at it. But to teach that now when it's kind of fresh in their mind and it's moldable, I think that's what pulls me to that age. Plus, you know, I have them on my own. So I really have that. Like maybe when your little Jake is in a teen, you'll start going, wow, I really see it. Now I'm looking at the social media. This I was watching this uh, this documentary on social media. And now, you know, my kids. Social dilemma? Yes. Oh, yeah. Jake. It just, I can't, I'm like the worst cell phone mom. I don't allow that. We have a time limit on their thing. And it's so interesting to watch this addiction, right? But you look around and you see all these teenagers with this phone addiction, social media addiction. And what is it doing to their brains? We have no idea because it's so new. So in 10, 15 years, we're going to go, wow, look at what that did to those kids that were in that era where it was all new. I mean, you know, pages 14, I didn't have a, an iPhone when she was born, you know? So like, that's just a short time that we've yeah. grown so much. And now these kids, my kids are in this middle of this and it's just, you know, I, it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. tell me, I, you know, I love, cause I think you're an amazing dad. And there's two things I want to ask. First of all, as a dad, what are your, like, when you look at a legacy that you're going to leave for your Jake, what is the most important thing that you value as a, what a father, like what, what this father of Jake says, what are your values as that, as a dad? Well, I appreciate you saying that I'm an amazing dad without any actual knowledge of how I am as a dad. Uh, well, I've I, been I, listening to podcasts <laughs> and you bring him up and you talk about his, all these things about it, even the, the way you are and how you love Disneyland. I said, if he's the dad that loves Disneyland, that boy is going to be the 
happiest boy on the on earth. Well, that was long before he came around. So I know, but that's like gone to Disneyland. I'm like, yeah, like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean by this is is to to bring up that I'm far from perfect. I'm not expecting myself to be perfect. Is what I'm really getting at. I'm not expecting myself to be perfect as a dad. But what I do expect of myself is time. And that to me is what matters the most. When I talk about legacy, I can talk about, you know what? I want my dad, like I want my son. At some points I say things like, I, I want to make it so my son doesn't have any, any limiting beliefs. All this stuff that I had <laughs> growing up, I don't want, but I can't control that. I'm going to, I can't control that. That's going to happen. Like it's right. going to happen. I'll say that my father, I'm not going to say he's perfect, but he's, he's pretty close. My dad's awesome. I'll say this one thing though. My dad always been there. Time has been the thing that he was there as a kid. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with baseball as a kid. I wanted to be a major league baseball player. That's what I wanted to do. And so I, I was really driven as a kid. Like even as a young kid, I was really driven with sports, with baseball. And as like a 12 and 13 year old, I said, you know what? I want to I want to be the best. I want to make it as far as I can in baseball. So I, I came up with this idea on my own. I said, I want to hit 100 baseballs a day. No matter what, I want to hit 100 baseballs a day. So my dad, you know, he volunteers with the Little League, and which gave him a key to all the facilities, which gave him access to a pitching machine and to a batting cage. And after school, after work, every day, he took me down there, just loading balls into this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's time, spending time. And so for me, my whole career changed because I wanted to have time. You know, when, right. my, when my wife was pregnant, I said, I got to figure out this whole online business thing because me being on the road on an airplane, you know, three to four days, being away three to four days a week, nine months out of the year, that's not going to cut it. That's not going right. to work. I can't do that. And so me as a legacy, as a father, I'm, I'm not going to hold myself up to be this perfect thing that I don't have control over. I don't have control over, but one thing I do have control over is time. And that's something I'm very committed to is being there, just being there for them. Of course, I still go out of town. I, right now during COVID, I'm not out of town as nearly as much as I would like, actually. <laughs> um, but when it comes down to it, I've completely evolved my career. I've changed my career. I've changed my focus in a lot of things in life. I'm committed to having time. And that's what I want. I want my son to say, look, my dad was always there for me. He was always there for me. Always did things with me. Oh, it didn't matter what it was. Didn't matter if he was even interested in it or not. If I wanted to do it, he was there with me. And that's what I want. Oh, I love that. And also, I was thinking of, you know, you you wrote a book and you give that away. (laughs) It's like I submitted for your book yesterday. But will you talk about what made you write the book and, you know, where, how do you apply that? Like, what do you bring that into your coaching? Yeah. I mean, the, the number one goal system has really been, that's really the framework for my coaching is this idea of chunking things down to small, little, small incremental goals. I think that we mess ourselves up with trying for too much. Our vision, some people say, if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. I think that is foolish. I think that's absolutely foolish. I think the way that I look at a goal 
is a goal should be as simple as taking the next step on the staircase. Like that's how simple it should be. Now, maybe this is just because we're talking about different definitions to different words. So when I use the word goal, I'm just talking about that next little step, the next Mm -hmm. little thing in front of you. Now, when we're talking about your vision for your life, to me, that's something that there's no limit to that, no limit whatsoever. But to me, if a goal scares you, you're not going to take action. Mm-hmm. You're not going to take action because it's too big. So this whole idea, the whole concept of your number one goal is this idea of chunking something down as small as possible. Not asking, why did I write the book? Why all those things? Like, at the time, that's what I thought was necessary for starting a business in this online coaching world. I'd been doing the speaking world for a long time, but I wanted to create this thing. And to be honest, I learned that it, it isn't necessary. Like people can do it without it. It's not necessary, but that's why I did it at the beginning was like, oh, well, I want to take all my ideas and put them into this book. And really the way that I use it now is much more to augment the coaching because I'm using it as a formula. It's all part of the system that I'm using to help people take action and move incremental steps. I'm very focused on progress. Progress is what matters to me the most, not even achievement. People get caught up with achievement. They get stuck on it. And usually that's the ego talking and saying, I need to achieve this thing because I said that I would. I don't care. All I care about is that they're making progress, is that they're moving forward. Because as we're moving forward, we have a snowball effect and things just become easier and easier and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's kind of how I... I focus on things. The idea of your number one goal is just this idea of saying, okay, what's most important to me? Because we only have so much time in the day. doesn't matter who you are. You only have so much time in the day. When we say I have 17 goals that I'm trying to to achieve, Mm -hmm. good luck. I don't know many people who are able to do that. But when we focus on something, the power is incredible. Really, really incredible when we focus on something. So I'd rather focus on one thing at a time tackle that thing. I'm not talking about so someone here's like, great. I, I'd love to focus on one thing at a time, but I have this and this and this and this. I'm saying, look, you got all your normal life things that you got to do, but let's focus on improving one thing at a time. Let's focus on one new thing at a time. Don't start three new things at the same time. You're going to set right. yourself up for failure. So focus on one new thing or one improvement thing or whatever it is and put your energy there and make it so easy for yourself that literally following this process to get to where you want to be is as simple as just putting one foot in front of the other. And if I can do that, I'm going to guarantee success. Right. Do you teach habits? Do you teach things for people? Like, so some people don't know how to put one foot in front of the other, or, you know, they, they want to go from zero to a hundred. How do you teach? What kind of habits do they, do you help them with? Are there certain ones that help? Totally. Most of the habits involve our mindset. You know, this idea of I must jump so far ahead. And so we have to get in the habit of being kind to ourselves. We have to get in the habit of being, being kind, being nice, being fair to ourselves instead of being this taskmaster. So we first have to get in the habit of rewarding ourselves and being kind to ourselves. Secondly, we have to get in the habit of doing small things every day instead of doing giant things once a week or giant things once a month, or whatever it is. So getting the habit, we also have to get in the habit of just like we need to do enough work, we have to get in the habit of not overdoing it. If we're overdoing it to a level that I'm not going to do the work tomorrow, that's too much. I went too far. If I'm working so hard 
that now the rest of my life went off balance. And now I'm going to have to spend days catching up on other things. That actually wasn't beneficial. It'd be much more beneficial if I just did small things every day. Tell you the truth, most of my coaching is focusing on getting people to do less more often mm-hmm. than doing more infrequently. Because that's what people want to do. They go, okay, I got this big goal. Boom, let's do it. I want to do it. And that's where they come at it. But I know from experience that that leads to a quick uptick and then fizzling out and burning out. And that's what it leads to. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in them actually having long-term success. And that's going to come from actually doing less more frequently than doing more less frequently. Right. I love that. And it's so, that's such a little tiny tool, you know, like the simple, but if, you know, you get that one little tiny thing every day, if that is, it's also, you feel so accomplished, you know, yes. it's instant gratification almost every day. Oh, I did that. Oh, I feel so good. And then you can't wait for the next day. I'm going to do that little thing. You know, yes. like every day is an accomplishment because you've just accomplished that little thing. And I love it. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, is like, they have to set these small incremental goals so they can celebrate every day because most people won't celebrate until they reach the goal that's going to take them three months, six months, a year to get to. And it's like, you know what? Our brain's not going to handle that for very long. Eventually we're going to say enough is enough. You're not rewarding me for anything. We're just going to stop. Right. So we have to go, you know what? Today was a success just because I did that little thing and I can hit the pillow tonight feeling like I was accomplished today. Yes. You're my accomplishment today, Jake. <laughs> oh, great. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> and I've taken, <laughs> but we're getting on the time where we have to end, but I wanted to finish up. Just kind of let me know, like, where is Jake? What's your focus right now? Where are you? What's your vision when you're 50 years old? So for me, my vision when I'm 50, to be honest, a lot of times I've, in the past, I have been almost embarrassed to share this, but I'll, I'll tell you really what it is. And I've been much more comfortable in doing that, stepping into that. That's something I've been doing lately is stepping into the vision of what I really want. My vision is to inspire millions of people to be able to make a positive impact in the world every single day, mm-hmm. to be able to make a positive impact every day to where they can be better husbands, mothers, fathers, wives, to be better business people, to be better teachers to be better. Like right now, I'm very focused on a very specific thing within the speaker's office and coaches network. But, you know, when I'm talking about being at that 50 time, Mm -hmm. I want this to be something to where I have millions of people that I have inspired to make the world around them a better place and have that ripple effect, have that ripple effect to where I'm putting on seminars with thousands of people in the room, thousands of people there having transformational experiences, and then taking that and moving it and improving the world around them as a ripple effect. Because even, you know, let's say I'm able to, to impact a million people, that's still a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket uh, mm-hmm. compared to the world. But if I can inspire people to not only live better lives themselves, but to be able to go and pass it on, it can be a ripple effect where I'm able to make a real difference in the world. And that's where everything is focused for me. Everything's focused on that. Making is a, there real, some- a real impact. 
Is there someone that you look up to, like a Tony Robbins? Do you like look at somebody and say, oh, I see myself there? Do you visualize yourself? How do you, like, as, as far as like Jake goals setting and, you know, you're visualizing because I'm a total visualizer and yes. seeing that happen, seeing when I'm 50 on the stage, speaking to these, do you do that? Absolutely. Now you mentioned Tony Robbins. I'm a huge, massive fan of Tony Robbins. I, I you know, love everything the guy does, but I think anyone, I think, that it's not a wise thing to say, I want to be the next anyone. I don't think anyone should be the next anyone. Also, I think Tony is um, not a human. It's this news hasn't come out yet, but Tony Robbins is actually not a human being. He's (laughs) some kind of machine that's been able to do what he does. No kidding. Um, (laughs) But the point is, is like, yeah, I'm talking about that kind of impact. I'm talking about, you know, he has arenas in a, you know, I went to his smallest live event. 5,000 people at him. It's incredible. And because of the ability to reach people and inspire people and turn people on in a way that can, can really light that fire and make them take action. I want it to be my own version. If I got on the stage and tried to be Tony Robbins, I'd yeah. look foolish. I'd look silly. <laughs> and, and that's not what I'm, that's not me. That's not right. I have energy. I have a different, um, I think it's really important for people to be who they are rather than try to be somebody else. But yeah, my version of that, that's exactly right. what I think. Oh, I love that. Where can people find you besides the speakers, authors, and coaches network on Facebook, the Facebook group that I'm a part of that I love, that yeah. I would recommend everyone joining because it's such an inspirational place and you get to see Jake's, all his words of wisdom. And I even learned from your, one of your posts today, I was like, oh my gosh, you give so much value. But where else? You have a websites and Instagram yeah, I do. So like I said, so if, if you're someone who is, you know, starting a business or is a speaker, author, coach, podcast, or anything like that, come and join us in the Speakers, Authors, and Coaches Network. You can just search that. It will pop up. Um, but also every other social channel, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, it's all just Jake Ballantyne. Look up Jake Ballantyne. I'll, I'll be there. Also, jakeballantyne.com has a couple free resources you can check out. But mostly just hang out with me on social media. I give a lot. I'm there a lot. And uh, you're going to get a lot of value from it. Jake, you have beyond value for me. Like I have just in the short time, if people could just, when they meet you, you have this service mentality of this love and giving and wanting everybody to succeed and to have that as a gift and who you are and to be able to like really have those values as a person here on this planet is amazing. And I'm so grateful to have met you. And now that we know we have mutual friends, I'm sure one day we will meet. It's just been such a pleasure and you've added so much value to this podcast and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. What an honor this has been. Thank you, Jake. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, Please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, always look for the magic.